0: Hi, I'm Tony. And I'm Patrick. And uh, we are here with the Cave to the Cross Apologetics, and we are working our way through Jason Lyles' book, Keeping Faith in an Age of Reason. And actually, in our last episode, we finished the last chapter, and so now we're just looking at his closing remarks Mm -hmm. with regard to this particular book. We we thought we've had a great time working our way through this book. There are there are he gives us 420 alleged contradictions that the critics raise. Now we didn't go through all of those. He does in this book, and again, so it's it's probably worth your while to take a look at it. (laughs) But the ones that we've said clearly shows that the critic uh, did not do their homework. Yeah, we're
1: we're still faithful, unfortunately, for them. I guess. Yeah, I I guess that's their point.
0: So in the closing remarks, he. A couple of things here. He kind of looks at all the various um, errors that the critic has made. Uh, in fact, they say that uh, the critic says that there are 420 examples of uh, contradictions in the Bible. He finds 615 errors that the critic makes when they're trying to discover these various alleged contradictions. So, you know, go figure, right? Mm-hmm. If we're just counting noses or numbers, <laughs> uh, we win, right? Yeah. Uh, he gives a list at the back here of uh, the various uh, errors uh, at the top of the list is the uh, clear one which is uh, failure to read the text carefully or in context right and that's mm-hmm. the that's the most that's the biggest error yeah. that, that he talks about right and as
1: we were going through that it's it's one thing if you have a friend whos coming to you in conferences hey you know I have a question about this there could be a, a read text carefully or in context and then there are people that you might encounter with on the internet who, uh, don't have as much of, of a, uh, a relationship with you and might be asking you in a hostile manner. So obviously it's up to you to kind of, uh, purse how, how aggressively you want to answer questions, but hopefully, uh, someone is coming to you in, in a kind of a respectful manner where they're, they're just n- not doing, uh, the, the full on reading. Uh, they're just kind of taking a list like, like what he pulls from here, Um, at face value and and doesn't, you know, read two verses on either side of it. And so uh, this book helps you to kind of focus exactly where to to point people as to um, uh, how to answer the question.
0: Yeah, yeah, good. Um, All right, so uh, also so he mentions here that... um, he says, after looking at the various errors that the, uh, the critic makes, he comes to this kind of conclusion. He says, the above considerations prompt us to ask, do Bible critics do any legitimate research on the issues, right? Uh, we can only conclude from this study, he says, that at least most critics do not. This off-repeated examples, these various ones, are not carefully researched at all. It should be clear that most of the examples on the list were very obviously not contradictory um, at all when read in context. Only nine, that is 2%, require us to consult the original language to resolve any perceived uh, problems. And only eight require textual transmission analysis mm-hmm. to resolve them, right? And so he says, you know, if this is the best that the critic has to offer, then the Christian worldview really has no serious competition <laughs> at all. Right? Which I, th- I
1: think probably the, the biggest uh, new surgeons in um bible criticism is probably bart ehrman just from his backstory um uh, and so many people I, I know kind of uh refer to him as kind of a, a throwaway line of well in you know ehrman's book, book misquoting jesus or uh, in his book here uh he has has this that says you know uh, whatever contradiction there is and so a lot of times um uh, they can be kind of couched in a in a in a more scholarly fashion uh, but most of the times you're you're encountering questions like this so um, he, even with within airman's um, uh, books there are uh, presuppositions he holds to uh, that uh, other people have written books that responded to I think uh, uh, oh, who, who's the guy that we like that's written on everything Closterman uh,
0: uh, or uh, well he's he's
1: done it um, yeah yeah um,
0: boy i tell you his name escapes me now but uh, uh we'll put his information yeah. below so that people can get aware of it uh, be aware of it and it'll come to me in our and in once i look it our, up yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, as we go through the um, um the thing what um what we what what i find interesting though and what lyle uh, ends on is um uh, he doesn't say this but i think what he's getting at is oftentimes we let the critic get away with too much right we, mm-hmm. we we argue at a level of evidence when we should be arguing at a worldview level a presuppositional level for instance the critic has raised the issue of contradiction right the bible has contradiction right and lyle Wrightly points out Uh, uh, there's a profound irony in the critics list of supposed Bible contradictions. The critic is is providing this list presumably to uh, convince people that the Bible is wrong. So his argument, he says, could go something like this. Contradictions are always wrong. The Bible has contradictions. Therefore, the Bible is wrong. Well, okay, all right, that (laughs) might be the case, but here's the problem, right? Uh, He says, you realize that premise one in the above argument contradictions are always wrong is a biblical truth mm-hmm. right in other words you know the uh, contradiction is one of the major laws of logic right and so what we need to do sometimes in these situations and step back and we need to ask the christ the critic all right fine why is it wrong? Why are contradictions wrong? In fact, how do you justify the laws of logic in general? Mm-hmm. Right? And so we step back and, you know, now we have an answer as Christians, right? We can say that the laws of logic reflect the way that God thinks, right? So, um, you know, we have an answer for this. Uh, the basic laws of logic are, you know, are, um, are clear. They're, they're part of the biblical truth because they're based on the character of God. Right, laws of logic are God's standards for thinking, uh, and so um, you know, since God is unchangeable, sovereign, immaterial being, His thoughts would necessarily be abstract, universal, and unthinking uh, and unchanging. Mm-hmm. Right, so that's that's, and so just as God's characters characterized like that, and He's characterized like that, His various standards for thinking is characterized like that. In other words, they're not made out of matter they are uh, they, they apply everywhere and at all times but we need to ask the critic why do they think what is their reasoning for holding to the to laws of logic yeah. right rational reasoning would be impossible without the laws of logic and the laws of logic would not exist without the biblical god
1: right so just just like uh... someone who claims uh... uh... Oh, um, uh I'm trying to think of uh, Dawkins. Uh, D- Dawkins is a pure naturalist. He says that there's nothing that could possibly exist outside of nature, uh, and and the physical you know, what, universe. Yeah, what what kind of what you see and feel and touch and smell is is what you get. However, we run into an issue when you then say, okay, well, what about the laws of logic? Because how do you see, smell, taste, and touch <laughs> the laws of logic? Yeah. Well, even within his own worldview, he cannot account for. Uh, uh those laws or things like morality uh you know should, should i cheat on my wife should i kill somebody um, th- there's no there's there's no materialistic uh, substance you can kind of point to that says, uh, you yeah. know, th- this, this one action is right and one action yeah. is wrong. They're all
0: actions. The, they they are from actions a, from yes. a naturalistic point of view, mm-hmm. and and the only way I mean, you could say, well, I don't like, you know, <laughs> right. that sort of thing. But you know, what makes it this particular action a bad or a good action or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the issue. And so you kind of you kind of have to take a step back.
1: And ask them to defend their worldview. Really, is what we're getting at. Here, right, right, right. So even even with this contradiction, uh, the, the or this uh, the statement about the law of non contradictions, you can ask them, well, how how do you know that? Uh, but You know, by by by, you know, wh- what what application or what are you appealing to that says I can prove that the law of contradiction, the law of non contradictions, is true? Well, for them, just to go, well, I just know it well, you could just take the same approach and say, well, I, I, I know it too, and I have a different reason. So yeah. I just know that it's God that causes yeah. us to be able to appeal to the law of non-contradiction. So your just appealing to personal experience um, isn't really going to cut it because, again, people have different experiences. and In fact, uh, postmodernism um, kind of hinges on that. And so uh, a true postmodernist... Uh, Who uh, adheres to his own uh, worldview would say you're right, and also I can't prove one way or the other if the law of non-contradiction is accurate. So even within that mindset, there, um, you know, is it is it true for me and true for you? Yes. Well, there's a positive statement as well. So even even when you approach a um, person who's trying to get away from uh, standardizations of truth, and 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 they're trying to say, oh, you know, here's a third option. Even within their uh, presuppositional worldview, they're they're failing to adhere to their own uh, worldview. So they're being inconsistent, and inconsistency is a sign of a failed argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what you can also say is, um, you know. Um, so basically you were saying right. they can't
0: really appeal to their experience right. i just know it right, <laughs> right. <laughs> because uh, we could if, if that's the case that's clearly an argument stopper mm-hmm. right that what's what's uh, how you know how do you just know it and why do you just know it and why do you know how co- okay you may know it now will you will it be the same in the future mm-hmm. Right. that's the kind of stuff
1: yeah and so lyle has a really great uh, paragraph here that pretty much boils down one of his main books into <laughs> it, well, I should say half of it, one of his his books that we've read um, t- talking about how we know this uh, just from the Bible what, what if God's character allows us to have confidence in um, things like science uh, the, uh, the laws of logic and morality it's only through um, uh, having a correct understanding of who God is and understanding his character that we're able to um, appeal to it because, uh, you know, to to appeal to something outside of God um, is is to um, declassify God as a God. Because then, you know, uh, the the blind watch- watchmaker is the one who tells God, you know, what what to enforce. Okay, so we should be worshiping the blind watchmaker because he has power over God in, in some fashion. Uh, or if they're just arbitrary means, then um, you know, for God to say. Uh, you know that um, that you know uh, Mars is in the sky today, and uh, the Mars is uh, you know underneath the Earth tomorrow uh, is entirely possible. And so, uh, does the Bible talk about God in that fashion? No, it talks about His character being consistent and unchanging. And uh, even though He acts in nature, um, you know, science is the way that He sees the world. Uh, laws of logic is how God thinks, and morality is the way that God um, commands us from His own character, His own consistent character, uh, to to act. And so, when we fall outside of those, is what we would call being wrong or or sinning, depending on um, you know if it's a if it's a moral um, standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's saying two plus two equals five, uh, uh, you know, when you're when you're four years old, uh, is is not a sin, but um, you're 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 falling outside of, of of how God thinks in that fashion. So when we, we, even even that even school even you, know, you take the most strict uh, communistic behind the Iron Curtain and you give them give a kid a list of problems and two plus two equals four. Why do you put a green check mark next to it and not um and, and a red X next to someone who says five? If truth is just all relative and and, <laughs> and you know we we should be uh lambasting uh teachers for you know b- being being inconsiderate yeah. to our or precious little ones being dogmatic yeah oh our, it's yeah. just terrible yeah. Well, yeah. you know h- how do you how do you <laughs> have this this understanding of of what um what 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 the world is made of and and how we can come to know things uh Nancy Piercy, in her in one of her books that we that we did finding truth talks about a, kind of this application of Um, You know, you you have a box, and if you can fit all the things within um, your worldview into the box, and there's nothing outside of it that escapes it, then you have a consistent worldview. And so that's a, a good thing to have, because... Um, you're consistent and you're able to appeal to it. Uh, but if things fall outside of it, saying, you know. Uh, so, for
0: instance, the whole, we just, the only thing that exists is a material universe. <laughs> right. That's my box, right. right? Well, there are lots of things that fall outside of the box, like the laws yeah. of logic. Right? Other minds. Yeah. The, the mind. The yeah. consciousness. <laughs> yeah. Laws yeah. of logic. Uh, yeah. Good and evil. Yeah, If, right. if you
1: say something <clears throat> is good or evil. Um, or even, I, I even say that most truth claims come down to a moral claim because I'm trying to give you truth. Well, is that good or bad? And I think it's good to give people the truth. So, two plus two equals four is a truth claim, and I think it's also a moral claim. And so, uh, th- those things fall outside of a box for postmodernist or naturalistic uh, uh, worldview person. And so, um, we can't appeal to things like our experience because um, experiences aren't universal. Uh, you know, I, I've never been to the moon, but I'm assuming other people went to the moon. Yeah. Uh, you I've, never, I've never died, but I, I guess I'm going to die one <laughs> yeah, day. Sure. You know? I've never uh, experienced yeah. that. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure a truck that would hit me would hurt, although I've never been hit by a truck. <laughs> yeah. you know, th- those type of things is, yeah. is, is you know, or, or you can't appeal to um, past experiences, which um, we, we see even in the scientific community. Uh, you know, w- what's true today is, has always been true. But even within their own worldview, that's not been the case. Because if you subscribe to uh, thoughts like evolution, um, you could have you know punctured uh, uh, punctuated equilibrium yeah. or panspermia again. <laughs> you, know, you can have you can have yeah. these appeals to quick uh, you know the Cambrianic explosion. You know where did all these things come from in a, a quick period of time? Or you know you can say well the princess and the frog the princess kissed the frog and suddenly there was a prince oh nope that's fairy tale right well you know how, how is that when you know over millions of years you could have that right so what if you had this you know punctured equilibrium where a kiss mixed the DNA of the princess to the frog and suddenly you got a <laughs> handsome prince you know um, it's it's entirely possible within that or you know by what basis do you say it's impossible. So um, experiences of all humanity are, are not universal. Uh, so Lao goes on to say, So the unbeliever is quite in a bind. On one hand, he wants to argue against the Bible on the basis that it has what he believes to be contradictions. On the other hand, apart from the truth of the Bible, there would be no basis for arguing that contradictions are always wrong. Why? Because the Bible presents the clearest, uh, most consistent form of argument that explains uh, things like um, the, the laws of logic. So uh, even starting at the first premise in his argument uh, against the Bible assumes that the Bible is the case. Yeah. So, uh, you know, um, God, God is evil, uh, or, or um, uh, to, to, to be evil is uh, to, to be wrong. Uh, God is evil in the Bible, therefore God is, is wrong. Uh, to assume any of those, those points assumes a, a worldview that, that the person cannot have. Uh, if, if they're a naturalist, you know, what is evil? What is good? Uh, how do you define those things? Um, and and there are books that try to do um, do that and say, oh, whatever supports um, survival. So we we see that in in um, whatever brings harm in, in yeah. Dawkins' book,
0: For survival of whom? You know, let's say
1: bacteria, right? <laughs> or, or, or to, to, to say, is it okay that uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, or, or, or species? Or, or do we, yeah, why do we
0: why do we privilege uh, the human, human beings <laughs> right. if
1: uh, you know? I mean, there are other species, right? Mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and you could say that we're both a benefit and a harm, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. So, you know, why, why is why is that the case? Or, um, you know, we 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 see with science um, science has changed and has not. Just say the, the way that science is done has changed. And so to be dogmatic in, in, uh, on how we approach science um, is, is you know, it, we, we can't say, you know, we, we can't say we've always used the scientific method. We found a better way. And so far the scientific method seems to work. But what if we discover that 222nd dimension of string theory <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, theorems go out the window and we're just presented with, you know, cold brute facts or or... or um, contradictory items to our eyes. How, how do we how do we look at those things? So, um, you know, a Schrodinger's hat kind of kind of kind of hints at that. <laughs> yeah. that you can hold two his, two, his hat two or things. His cat. Well, either one. Oh, okay. Whatever you put in the box. They, yeah, Schrodinger's yeah. hat. In the, <laughs> the cat in the hat. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so to rationally resolve this issue, the unbeliever would have to either, one, embrace the truth of the Bible, which they cannot do, that's what they're arguing against, or they would have to reject the premise that contradictions are always false, in which case uh, that person would not be able to con- con- argue, uh, cogently argue that the Bible is wrong yeah, yeah. for so the allegedly is- having right, Exactly.
0: Them. So the issue is why are contradictions wrong, mm-hmm. right? And how do you justify the claim that contradictions are wrong? Sure. Do you justify it by your experience? All the contradictions that I've experienced so far have been wrong. Okay, that's fine. What about in the future? Things change. How do we know that that won't be the case in the future, right? Well, you know, uh, that's that's silly. Well, is it? I mean, that's yeah. that's a, that's an, you know, your, your worldview needs to take that into consideration. The yeah. Christian worldview says we know contradictions are wrong. It's because they violate the character of God. You say Say based on your experience, but you haven't experienced everything. In fact, universal human experience hasn't experienced everything, especially the future. Right. At one time, universal human experience said that the sun circled mm-hmm. the earth, right? Well, clearly universal human experience, you know, if we want to say it that way, was wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean the earth spins. That's why we see the sun seems to move in in terms of it is. so why are contradictions wrong how do we know they're wrong how do we know they'll continue to be wrong well how do you justify that right it's a silly question no it's a question about uh, uh, the consistency of your worldview does your worldview allow you to consistently and coherently answer those types of questions? <laughs> right? If it doesn't, you need to consider a different worldview. Right. The Christian has an answer.
1: So that's why in, in episode uh, thirteen we, we talked about this. Don't answer, answer. You're 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 more than welcome and free. And 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 you know Lyle's book is is a testament to that. To answer the the objection that is raised, however, there there are uh, a, a means by which we can actually take a step back from that that uh, that question and say, well, let's not answer according to what standard you present. You know, uh, the c- c- God in the Bible c- commands um, the slaughter of, of innocent people. Um, okay, well, you know, yes, he does, and let's try and you know, make a, a way a- for us to not uh, uh, to talk about this in a-, in, a- in a strict, legalistic manner. Or we can say, okay, first of all, why is killing of innocents wrong, and also, what do you de- determine as innocence because within that question there's the assumption that who god commanded israel to kill were innocent people and we know from just our study and last episode was there's no one righteous no not one so according to in in god's mind uh in in god's uh, standard there is there's no one who's innocent except christ and And it's
0: a moral question: Why, you know, what, uh, what, uh, what is the standard? The moral standard that's being violated, and who determines that that's the standard? Mm -hmm. Do you? Does do I individually? Do I? Do we collectively, as a nation a society, (laughs) who determines what the standard is? Right? And you know, can the standard change? And what's the basis of the standard? Well, the Christian has an answer: Standard is the character of God.
1: Pluto was a planet. Pluto is no longer a planet. Long live Pluto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So that's kind of how uh, Lyle ends this particular um, book with this, you know, kind of uh, going through here and what he calls closing remarks right. with regard to this. And he challenges, from a worldview presuppositional perspective, the unbeliever to justify the even the the claim that contradictions are wrong
1: right so like with with evidentialists the, there's the ability to just answer question upon question upon question but there's also kind of the um uh the way to go okay uh unbeliever you say that that evidence is in your camp okay you can take that evidence well do we honestly believe that that person has evidence of god not existing or god being evil or god being contradictory or do we actually have a a, a way to answer that and so this presents the most um, coherent and logically consistent within a person who believes uh, in christ's uh, approach to how to um, answer those questions uh, as far as is there evidence outside of god's um, order i guess Yeah,
0: yeah i mean there's nothing wrong with arguing evidence against evidence you got to know a whole lot of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But when you challenge a person's worldview, you don't have to know a whole lot. You have basic questions. You get them to attempt to justify their worldview, basic presuppositions about the way things are. And you will find that the unbeliever cannot do that, Mm -hmm. right? They cannot do that.
1: So that's why a lot of times just, just answering these types of questions might even be more beneficial within the confines of people who hold the same standard. So in church, how, how, do we, how do we answer these questions amongst ourselves? You don't have to go, well, what's your presupposition? Well, we all share that <laughs> same presupposition, so there's no point in, in going against uh, uh, that person uh, for their presuppositions unless it's to point out something like, well, you know, um, you know, God wants us to live all in love, and so what's true for me is not always true for everybody. Well, okay, then the, 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 their understanding of who God is, according to the Bible, uh, which is our standard of revelation uh, to us by God, um, is, is flawed, and so we should want to correct that. And so that's one of the, the reasons, too, that we meet together as, as a body of believers, is to make sure we're kind of on the same page as us, mm. so to speak.
0: And, and it should be clear, we're not saying that an unbeliever cannot reason. Right, and we're not saying right. that an unbeliever cannot act morally. Mm-hmm. Right, that is not what we're saying. Right, we're asking how do they justify? Yeah, how those do they
1: consistently
0: yeah. do those things? Yeah, yeah. How do they justify those the, the various claims that, that that they that they want to hold to? Mm-hmm. Right, within the perspective, especially if you're talking about a naturalistic worldview, right? right? How right. do you justify those things? Yeah.
1: So, yeah, uh, I think we went through this. We, we mostly agreed with a lot of his answers yeah. on, on, on this. There was a few that we probably would want to reconsider, but I think yeah. even Lyle would say, too, that um, what he presents is kind of a, a shotgun approach uh, as far as it comes to answers, because he's not answering completely. Um, there, are, There's a, a ton of other books on there. Um, uh, Geisler has one, uh, I think... Uh, is it F. F. Bruce or one of the other guys um, uh, who's into Greek language tends to go through and offer like when we talked about does Paul hear the voice or do the men understand the voice? He he delves down into the language aspect of it. So that not to say that there aren't um, good questions to ask here, and in fact. Um, we should also be concerned not with just the unbeliever, but also with those who fall outside different, into different religions, like Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, and Muslims and um, yeah. uh, Jew, Jewish people. And the
0: challenge is to ask them how do they ver- justify their their worldview? Yeah, that's that's
1: one of the biggest ones. Yeah. So, uh, to you know, we, we should um, worship God as as the only God. Well, to a Mormon, yes, you're supposed to worship God because he's the only god that you're supposed to worship but he's not the only god. Well okay, then how how does um, how do the laws of logic work in a world where there's uh, almost an infinite number of gods? Who who is the original god? Well, there's never been a time when there hasn't been. Okay, so there's no such thing as the beginning of time. Therefore, there's no way to get to this point in time because we would have had to have crossed an infinite number of time points to get to this time period. Uh, so th- th- there's where you can point to a contradiction within their worldview and say because you bo- you have this presupposition um, you the, 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 the just the ability to say that there's a time when something happened um, is contradictory to that. So um, understanding a presuppositional worldview also gives you the ability to answer questions like who Christ is and, mm. and who God is uh, among people of different religions. yeah
0: good. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much for tuning in this time, and uh, we appreciate you uh, sharing this book with us. And uh, until next time, we'll we'll see. You. Yeah,
1: stay tuned for our next little uh, commercial that we'll do for the next book that we choose. Yeah. Have, have a good one.